1: For the speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty Hyo silver, the Lone Ranger. in the western United States faced many hardships. They fought hunger and thirst, blazing heat and bitter cold. Hostile Indians and the outlaws who roamed the hills and the range country. Their pioneer spirits would not admit defeat, but the West might never have been won if the masked rider of the plains hadn't led the fight for law and order. No one could match his courage and daring, and Hayao Silver came to be the battle cry of justice on the frontier. Return with us now to those thrilling days. when adventure lay at the end of every trail? The Lone Ranger rides again.
2: Come on, Silver! Double thing in the trail ahead! I'll see
1: there have been countless requests for information regarding Silver, the famous horse of the Lone Ranger. People have written, asking what kind of horse it was, where it came from, whence came its tremendous strength, tireless energy, and lightning speed. Of course, the greatest mystery surrounds the origin of both the Lone Ranger and Silver. But there is a legendary story concerning the beautiful milk-white stallion. And tonight, in one of the most unusual of the Lone Ranger dramas, we are going to tell you the legend as it has been handed down through generations. The Lone Ranger did not always ride Silver. Before the fame of the mystery rider spread throughout the length and breadth of seven states, there was another horse... One called Dusty. As our story opens, it is this chestnut mare that is being ridden to a hitch rack outside the six gun cafe. Oh, oh, Dusty! Oh there oh. You're waiting for me. You want any news, Teller? Uh, two feller inside cafe. What about them? Them plenty bad fella. Them make plan. You think they'd recognize me? You not need mask. You've got face disguised. That's plenty good. You may be here, feller, talk. Tonto stay with Dusty. Dusty's pretty tired, Tonto. She's traveled a long way so that I could join you here. Uh, Maybe travel much more. You go inside, cafe, huh?
3: Squint, there ain't but one thing can keep us from getting away with the express office money. What's that, Butch? Horses. We might borrow a couple. We might, and we might not. I got a better scheme than that. Yeah? They rope some wild ones. I heard of a valley. Where'd you hear of it? A couple of old Indians told me. Listen, there's a valley two days north of here. There's horses there ain't never seen a man. The finest horses you ever heard tell of. Seems a pack of foolishness getting us wild horses just to rob the express Shh. office. Don't talk so loud. Maybe you're afraid of wild horses. Hmm? Hmm? See here, I can ride anything I can get aboard. And I ain't seen the horse yet that I couldn't break. Uh-huh. The idea is to get us some horses that's plenty wild. Use them for our escape, then let them loose to travel fast and far and lead the posse on a trail while we take our old Mexican plugs and gets away. That sure sounds like something. Where'd you say these wild horses was at? I'll show you. Just come on with me, Squint. And in two or three days, we'll have a couple of the wildest, fastest horses in the country to rob that office at Cooper's Bay. (laughs)
1: Nestled in a valley in the heart of green hills was a sanctuary where man had never been. Here the grass grew green and lush, and shady trees spread green boughs to cast soft shade. Here from the living rock came waterfalls, both sweet and pure. King Sylvan and his gentlemate Musa ruled this land. Their court was made up of untamed horses that had never known the restraining bit and binding saddle. Happy, carefree horses that had never seen man nor known his inventions. Sylvan had won the right to rule his followers by might and courage. His was the fleetest foot, the quickest eye, and the greatest of strength. Then there came a day when the mare Musa bore King Sylvan a son. Then Sylvan's happiness was complete. His fleet hoops pounded the turf, racing, turning, flashing in his joy. The great white stallion hosts the colt. ...would see the strength in his splendid body... ...that was this little one's heritage. At length he thundered close to Musa... ...he braced his feet in a soft turf and stopped... ...then gently muzzled his mate... and a little colt My son, he seemed to say... ...my little white one called Musa... ...from her mother's heart. And truly as he stood there on his wobbly little legs... ...legs seemingly too slender to bear even his light weight... ...he looked like a drift of virgin snow... With the sun turning every hair into gleaming points of silver fire. Almost as soon as he was born, the White One began to display those characteristics which afterwards made him a leader of the band, that his father ruled before him strong, graceful, fearless, with the heart and courage of a lion, but added to them the sweetness and gentleness of Musa, his mother. <laughs> For many months, the White One was not far from his mother's side, and his little shadow merged with hers as they moved through the valley, guided by the Sylvan who knew where the water was the sweetest, the grass most tender. Then came the days when his colthood was left behind him, days when he could outdistance Musa and run side by side with his illustrious father. <laughs> the wind, the white one and Sylvan raced side by side. Two beautiful milk-white creatures, Sylvan and the prince, his son. How the sun flashed from their sleek bodies. How they raced, cut, turned, and whirled in sheer joy of living. Life was good, and the sweet cup of happiness seemed filled to overflowing for the two white ones. (coughs) came tragedy to the life of the little one. The light of the world was covered for Musa. She went to the everlasting valley of happiness, but not before her little son was full grown and ready to fight for his place in the kingdom of Sylvan, his father. Day after day, the brave horse fought his rivals in the field of battle. It was a prince's duty to fight for and to hold his princely position. It was his duty to meet all comers and accept all challenges. Sylvan remained king, but could his White One remain the prince? Battles were furious, no quarter was asked, and none given. Never did the White Colt pause in the attack until his rival lay at his feet. Then there came the last to challenge, and he went to defeat as the others had before him. The White One lifted his voice in victory. And Sylvan the king, his father, responded with pride. King and prince, leaders and champions, both stronger, greater than any other of the herd acknowledged by all as those who should lead while others followed. At the head of the herd raced Sylvan and the White One. Then man came into the valley, bringing pain and misery and tragedy. Squint and Butch arrived to take the finest of the happy horses from this earthly paradise to help them in their craven schemes. At a narrow gap opening into the valley, they paused to watch the great wild horses and fingered their ropes and guns.
3: Them's the horses. Butch, you were sure right about this place. Yeah, doggone. But they're mighty wild ones. Mighty wild. Ain't never yet been a horse so wild I couldn't tame the critter. Look, them two white ones leading the pack are the ones we want to get in. Ain't seen it yet. Maybe we could drop a loop over the next when they come close. We'll try. Get ready now. They're coming close. You take the right-hand one. Get ready. Let go of the rope. Got I missed. Look the out. They're coming for us. He fell down. The one I rope fell down. They'll kill us. Run for your life. Shoot. Shoot out. Him. Hurry. Get away.
1: The sight of man was strange to the wild horses. Man was an enemy. Man was to be driven out. The thundering hoofs surged forward. The white one sounded the battle cry. Thunder roared from weapons in the hands of the men. Wild screams of pain came from the herd. But the fury of those hammering hoofs could not be withstood. The men retreated, running to save their lives. The white one, true leader that he was, had conquered man. As he had overcome members of the herd in gaining his exalted place. There was little joy in this victory, for Sylvan, the mighty monarch of the valley, had sent his soul to join that of Musa. Sylvan's strong neck had been cruelly hurt by the rope of the white man. Sylvan was no longer king. and instead, the white one should rule. Up to what end? As he stood there, the white horse found little left for him in the valley. His was the heart of a conqueror. He would leave the valley to cross that purple ridge in the distance to see what was beyond. While he stood with proud head lifted high, There came again the form he had so recently learned to hate. Man. Come on, man. The white one would not attack. He would evade. He would cross the hills that surrounded the valley. He remembered the cruel ropes that had broken the neck of his father. He remembered the strange weapon that spoke like thunder and made horses fall to the ground. He turned and fled. Heading for the distant hills, heading for new worlds, as the Lone Ranger and Tonto rode into the valley. Oh, well, that Dusty! Ah, uh, we get here too late. They've been here and gone, Tonto. But look, that horse! See it running toward the hills. Did you ever see such a splendid creature? Oh, him! He fine. Too bad, Dusty, not be like him. Poor Dusty, poor girl. She did her best to get us here in time to trail those outlaws, Tonto. No, we not know where they go. We can't follow them further without resting. Dusty has done all she can. Outlaw may plan rob someplace. They plan to rob someplace, Tonto, but we don't know where. Just look at that fine horse they've killed. Uh, tonto won't get them, Outlaw. Poor old Dusty. You've earned the rest, old partner, and you're going to have it. Then we'll try to follow those two men. <laughs> The curtain falls on the first act of our Lone Ranger drama. Before the next exciting scenes, please permit us to pause for just a few moments.
2: Behold my losses. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, aha. Uh-huh. It's the Loop great subscription box, yeah, with an exclusive loop on surprises and delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. Uh-huh. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX Collectible Boxes, dude! Cowabunga!
3: through the Loot Gaming Video Game Box! Woohoo! Yeehoo! To Loot Crate with
0: kids today, huh? Browsers! With cuts starting as large as 11 level per month, Those a box just about for all collectors in. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's f-e-n-i-x media u-s
2: forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, dig it?
0: You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media.
4: Of light, a cloud of dust,
2: and a Ohio silver, and the Lone
1: Ranger. Now to continue the story. You recall that we left the great wild white horse as it departed from the valley. Alone, he made his way through the mountains. Hour after hour, he climbed steep hills, drawing farther and farther away from the valley where he had known joy and peace and happiness, grim tragedy and sudden death away from the valley where he had first seen man, his hated enemy, a creature that had killed his father. Here was a new world. For a time he enjoyed the strange sights, but as the trail grew steeper, the path became more narrow. Sharp thorns frequently raked his beautiful white body. Broken, jagged rocks hurt his hoofs, that had known only the soft grass of the valley. Strange insects drove their wicked daggers into his muscled flesh, and flecks of red stained the white coat. Here there was no gentle Musa, to tenderly cleanse the torn places with a mother's gentle care. But on he went. He was a king, a conqueror, not to be daunted. Finally he reached the top of the mountain ridge, and then proceeded to the plains beyond. Vast stretches of almost level country beckoned him on. New adventure was ahead, and with a shout of defiance he left the hills to dash ahead. As he raced onward, the white horse remembered stories that his mother had told him. Stories of his ancestors that had roamed these plains, but had been forced to leave them for the safety of the valley. Stories of horrible beasts that roamed the plains. Wild buffalo with flaming eyes and fire-breathing nostrils. Then, suddenly, the white horse stopped. Just ahead, he saw the foe. A huge, shaggy buffalo... An ugly beast of dull mud color with a tangled mane and a huge hump on its back. Its bloodshot eyes glared at the white horse in hatred and its sharp hoofed feet stamped on the ground in rage. From the horrible beast there came a roar. And then the creature charged with what seemed to be a long pent-up fury. agility he could command. The white one stepped aside to dodge the furious charge, and as the buffalo swept past him, the white one felt the brush of the horse's rough fur against his slender body. His tender nostrils quivered with a foul odor. Mad with fury, screaming with rage, the buffalo whirled quickly to attack again, and again the white horse stepped aside. Time after time, the game was played, but it could not last forever. Sooner or later, the horse and buffalo must come to grips. This was to be a battle to the end, where one would move away victorious from the torn and mangled body of the other. Then, the battle began in earnest. (laughs) The air was filled with bellows and whinnies of rage and defiance. The hoofs turned the ground, and the reek of blood and sweat added to the rage of both of the struggling animals. Again and again, the horse did down with his sharp hoofs, and many times the blows took effect. The sharp hoofs of the buffalo had even greater power, and the huge, hairy head became a living battering ram and it drove hard into the white horse time after time. The white one didn't have the protecting mass of hair of his enemy. Trembling, weak, and close to exhaustion, the white one grew unsteady, but his gallant heart would not accept defeat. He fought on, desperately, despairingly, and hopelessly. Then, at length, with a mighty sobbing whinny, he sank to the ground. <laughs> The buffalo stood glaring for a moment at the conquered animal. The evil eyes glowed in savage hatred, in glowing joy at victory. He drew back a pace, the better to strike the blow of death. The white horse, only barely conscious, saw the buffalo prepare to leap in a last thrust of the sharp hoofs that would forever end the reign of the king of the horses. Head down, the buffalo roared and began his charge, but then it seemed as if a miracle had happened. Was another horse approaching, the wild cry of an oncoming rider.
2: Come on, Dusty! Come on, Dusty!
1: And then a roar like thunder. Several heavy slugs of lead crashed into the buffalo as it leaped. The force of the blows turned the rearing animal aside, and beneath it the short legs crumpled. The buffalo fell close beside the white horse. Conquered by the Lone Ranger. great peace descended on the white horse and he was aware of a gentle hand that touched his cruelly battered head poor fellow great hearted horse Tonto he's alive huh Hunter, get him water As the white one opened his eyes, glazed with fever and bright with pain, he saw a face. And even in his anguish, he knew that man was not at all times an enemy. Here was a friend. Gentle hands caressed him. Cool water, nature's own remedy, soothed his wounds. His strength, so nearly gone, returned to him, little by little. The proud head came up. Man was here. Man had killed Sylvan, his father. His father. Man was another hated enemy, a thing to be feared. The white body rose. For a moment, the great white horse trembled on his weakened legs. Then fled. Fled from man who killed. Tonto, there goes the king of all horses. Dusty's a grand horse, but that one, that silver one... We get on trail of crook now, huh? Uh, they can't be far ahead of us, Tutter. They must know they're being followed. Uh. Town yonder named Cooper Ben. That's where a fellow plan to steal money. Then come on, Tonto. We'll head for Cooper's Bend. <laughs> stranger and his faithful Indian friend, Tonto, continued on the trail. As they came to Cooper's Bend, two horsemen rode toward them at full speed. Squint and Butch had robbed the express office and were making their escape. The outlaws saw the two men that had trailed them and knew there was no time to lose. Squint threw his gun and opened fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leave, Tonto, to the ground! Oh, oh, them, Tonto, shoot! Dusty, they have the money bags with them. We're too late. Uh, we not get them now. We not got horse. After this long trail, how do they escape us? They've succeeded. We've no way to overtake them. Look. You, look. The silver horse. Ah. Him
2: come to you. Here, boy. Here, follow. <laughs>
1: After leaving the Lone Ranger, the great white horse seemed to feel that he had left one who would be a friend. He sought to overtake the man, and never could a horse have been more welcome. On he thundered to where the masked man stood. There he paused, willing to be a servant to this man. The Lone Ranger swung to the white back without saddle or bridle, and turned as one with the white horse in pursuit of the bandits. For the first time, a cry rang out through the still air that was later to echo across the whole country.
2: I'll
1: faster than any horse had ever moved swift as the wind a flash of white flame the great stallion swept across the prairie his strength seemingly greater than ever before as he turned and leaped at the touch of his master a man he could love with all the unselfish love of horse for master the man who had brought him life when death seemed near the outlaw's horses could not match the terrific speed of the great stallion they were overtaken roped by the quick hand of the lone ranger brought to earth and held until the sheriff's men could overtake them <laughs> Then, once again, the voice of the rider called to the white one. Whoa, silver. Whoa, boy. Whoa, there, fellow. You understand me, great horse that you are? Your heart of gold and your coat of silver. <laughs> Good old fellow silver come what may we'll travel together always that is <laughs> over there silver that's your name fellow silver let's join Tato, my friend our friend
2: I There's a on the trail ahead. I'll see you over. Away. <laughs>
1: just heard is a copyrighted feature of the Lone Ranger Incorporated.
0: You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media.
1: with the speed of light, the cloud of dust and the hearty Hyo Silver, the Lone Ranger. When gun law ruled the range and outlaws robbed and plundered the honest ranchers, the masked rider of the plains started his great fight for justice. Crime and criminals received no quarter from him, but the man who deserved a second chance always received one. The masked rider's courage was only exceeded by his sense of fair play. Return with us now to those thrilling days when the West was young. From out of the past come the thundering hoofbeats of the great horse silver. The Lone Ranger rides again. The we're headed west to El Paso, Kyle Hawaii! The Lone Ranger and his faithful Indian companion Tonto were following the trail west of Northfield. Then suddenly, a young man, hidden until then, behind the spur of a hill, urged his horse across their path and... What
2: ladder you, sneaking killer?
1: Go ahead, draw, blast you. I won't do like it done to my brother. I'll give you a fair chance. Who are you? What are you talking about? I'm Vern Jackson. That's who I am. Thought I was safe in jail when you dry guns walked, didn't you? Thought there wasn't anybody could make you pay for killing Walt, didn't you? What else... put your you? hand away from that gun. Me, get him. Wait, tell Blast it, why don't you draw? I broke jail just to get the chance to face you. I had to hide up from the law all the time I was hunting you. But I don't care whether the law finds me or not. Just so I can go back, knowing I have paid you off. You're calling me a killer? That mask you're wearing. I suppose you think I don't know who you are, Mr. Lone Ranger. But listen, and I suppose you never figured anybody would find a mask you lost when you killed Walt. Well, it was laying right beside him. Even the law knows you're the killer. You're making a bad mistake. It was you done that. My old brother. Coming all the way from Bedford to see me. The first time in three years that we'd have been together and you shot him in the back. You low down rotten yellow coyote slap like I told you to keep your hand from that gun. You had your warning, now I'll my blast you out of my gun. Stop from your hand. Oh, well, maybe you'll talk sense. I'll show you. Get out of that saddle. Come on, stand up to me. Stand back. You dry gulch and sidewinder. Take that. I this. Told you. No, let me go. My arm. Let go of my arm. Stand up and fight blast it. You'll accuse me of something I haven't done. Hold still. <laughs> if I could just get my hands on you. you would admitted you're an outlaw. That your broken tail. Now you're going back. Back. To jailer. Oh,
3: that's it. You're working
1: with Jake Fowler. I might have known it. It was him framed me. Made the law think I was a thief. It was him tried to find out where my claim was. And you. You killed Walt so he couldn't file on it. It's as plain as can be. Just let me go. I'll show you. I'll tell you. Don't You're struggle. struggle. Right. you can't get away. If I could, I'd you. I try. want to know more about this. Why do you think I'm working with this Jake Fowler? Who he is? The frame-up you mentioned. Come on, talk. You mean to say you don't know all about it? I know nothing about it. Yeah, that's a good one. Jake frames me, then he hires you to do his killing without telling you what he gains by it. Go on. I'll bet he figured he could get you cheaper that way. Well, he's double-crossed you, then. Tell me, then. You bet I will. I'll tell you. I'll show you how he was cheating you. Then maybe you'll go gunning for him, and that'll leave me just you to deal with. How do you know Jake framed you? And what did he frame you for? I found out the same day I was jailed. The sheriff came to my place early in the morning. And it was the afternoon of that very same day that I heard Jake walking down a hall toward my cell Howdy, bird, <laughs> Well, well, uh, who'd have thought to see a Jackson behind bars? Wasn't even near the flying W last night. Oh, that's a funny thing. Their cash missing, your hat laying in the yard, and a letter with your name read on it found right in the room where the cash had been hid. How do you explain them things? That was an old hat. Somebody stole them out of my cabin when I was prospecting. <laughs>
5: yeah? Why
1: would I want to steal cash? I told you fellas last night in the cafe that I'd struck it rich. Yeah, I recollect.
4: Folks are saying you spread that story, so when you started spending the cash you planned to steal, there wouldn't be so
1: many questions asked. I never stole nothing. Jake, you know I ain't a thief. Well, as a matter of fact, Vern, I don't really think you are. Thank heaven somebody believes in me. Now, what's more, maybe I could help get you out of here. Huh? Sure thing. That is, if it's worth enough to you. It's worth plenty. If I was free, then I'd have a chance to find out who found me. Worth plenty, eh? Is it worth that claim you found? I'm beginning to see things straight. Jake, I got back from my prospecting trip last night. Too late to file a claim. Well, well, well. I stopped in the cafe anyhow and told you fellas about my luck. I said I'd file my claim today. But before I could get to town this morning, the sheriff arrested me. I well, was sure tough sure. luck. And now you come around with this proposition. Why, you poor cat, you stole that cash. You fined me. And you done it just so I couldn't file my claim. Just so you could get the gold for yourself. Hang how on. did you know where to look for the cash unless you savaged where it was? And how would you know that unless you stole it yourself? If I agree to your proposition, you'll just turn around and frame somebody else. Well, it's your word again, mine. There ain't nobody else heard what I said, and I reckon the sheriff can't do nothing just on your say-so. Get out. I'll stand trial if I have to, but you won't gain by this. Suit yourself. Go on, get out of here.
4: Sure, I'll go. But think it over, Vern. Just decide what you'd rather have: that claim or
3: your freedom. I've already decided. Well, after
4: you've stood trial and the judge's passed sentence, you'll have plenty of time to
1: change your mind.
3: <laughs> and
4: I'll be waiting. I ain't in no
3: hurry. So just
1: think it over. <laughs> and you stood trial, Brent? And got five years, all on account of that crooked partner of yours. Mister, how much did he pay you for killing Walt? You still don't believe I had nothing to do with his death? I'll shoot you the first chance I get. I'm giving you fair warning. And you broke jail just to get me. It was my brother you killed. You think I shot him in the back without giving him a chance? What makes you believe I won't do the same to you? I don't know what you're planning. I'm just saying what I'll do if I get the chance. well, You think I'm guilty and you want revenge? I'll make terms with you. What terms? There's a cabin near Crow Creek. It's empty now. I know where it is. I'm taking three days in which to straighten up my affairs. And at the same hour, three days from now, you'll meet your brother's murderer at that cabin. How do I know you'll show up? What's to prevent you bringing a law after me if you do? You'll have to take my word for that. Then I'll be there. You have no choice. As to the law you've said yourself that I am wanted. You think I put myself into the sheriff's hands? Well, I Choose don't know. for yourself. But remember, I'm the one setting the conditions. You'll agree, or we don't meet. And if I do? Then it'll be a fair duel. It'll be fought on even terms. It's a deal. Good. Now get out of here. In three days, Mister, and don't you forget. Out of there! Get up! Get along. Why you do that? I intend to get to the bottom of this, Teller. I don't think Burns a thief. The thief hasn't the courage to attack two men single-handed. You got planned? I can't plan on anything until I have more information. We're going back to camp. I'm putting on a disguise. Then I'm riding to town. Uh-huh. Let's go, yeah. Tonto. Come on, get up, scout. When the lone ranger reached Northfield an hour later, he was so cleverly disguised that he attracted only the casual attention any stranger would have received. He entered the cafe finding not only the sheriff, but Jake Fowler inside. He was present from a shout announced the arrival of the stage from the east, and...
2: stage is coming!
1: He's hit town, folks! There will be something for you this time, Sheriff. I'm hoping so. Go, oh, go, oh, 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 oh,
2: oh.
4: Any mail for me, Joe? Not a thing, Sheriff. You met the stage from Bedford? Yeah, sure did. And I asked the driver, just like you told me to, Sheriff. said there want anything. As far as you recollected, there hadn't been either. That's doggone funny. Yeah. Huh? Oh, howdy, Jake. You looking for a letter from Bedford? Sounds like it, don't it? Now you needn't get robbed. Why well, shouldn't I? You've been nosing around for the last week
1: trying to find out what that letter
3: was about. Well, I just. You just thought... aimed to poke your nose in my affairs.
1: Well, I'll tell you why I've been looking for a letter, as long as you figure you've got to know. I wrote to the governor. Well, you don't mean... I mean, I wrote him about Vern Jackson. I told the governor all the evidence was again Vern, that he was tried, found guilty, and given a sentence. And I told him that in spite of all that, I didn't figure Vern was guilty, and he ought to have a pardon. Are you local? Let's get a few things straight. First off, I'm sheriff, not you. And as long as I hold office, I'll run it in my own fashion. poor.
4: Well, well. And in
1: the second place, if I was you, I'd talk kind of small.
3: Maybe some of the things Vern told me when he was in jail was true. Was he lying to you about me? He might have
0: been lying.
1: Fact is, I figured he was at first. But since then, I ain't been so sure. That's one reason I wrote what I did to the governor. And, Jake, you take a hint. Talk small and walk
3: straight. Or maybe I'll be asking some questions about you that you won't like. Uh, sticking up for a crook and accusing honest folks. You ain't been accused of nothing yet. Then see that you don't. Or maybe it'll be
1: you that gets in trouble, not me. I Remember that! <laughs> Can I speak to you, Sheriff? Oh, oh, howdy, stranger. What's on your mind? I couldn't help overhearing some of the things you said to Jake Fowler. Yeah? Inside it sounded as though you thought Burn Jackson innocent. You a friend of his? Perhaps. Know where he is? Not at present, but I heard you say something about writing the governor for a pardon. Seems strange you haven't gotten an answer. How long ago did you write? It don't seem no funnier to you than it does to me, stranger. I wrote almost a week before Burn broke jail. All that makes it close to three weeks by now. A week before Vern escaped. It would take only about three days for a letter to reach Bedford by stage. That's just what it takes. I wondered what made you think Vern might not be guilty. Well, I'll tell you why. Stranger and number it's always gone straight. Don't turn outlaw for no reason at all. You arrested him. I had to on account of the evidence. But there's another thing. Yes? I have known Vern since he was knee-high to a grasshopper. I saw it the way he thinks, how he does things. I know all about where he hangs out
3: and such. And after I jailed him, I searched every doggone place I could think of where he'd have been likely to hide that cash if he stole it. And I didn't find it nowheres. I see. And putting that together with what
1: Vern told me about a conversation he had with a certain fellow from these parts, it's my belief he's no more a cook than, than you, are, Lone Ranger. Thanks for the information, Sheriff. Hold up a second. Yes? Stranger, I, I ain't saying you know where Vern is hiding out. But if you should see him, if you should, I said, tell Vern I'm going to send the posse to scour the country for him. And you can tell him this, too. Well? Tell him that if he lets that posse find him,
3: I'll tan his hide.
1: Leaving the sheriff, the Lone Ranger strolled toward the edge of town. But as he approached the spot where he had hidden his great horse Silver, he became again the alert figure known as the Phantom Rider of the Plains. Mounting, he gave Silver a brief command, and soon the thundering hoofs of the great horse brought him to the camp where Tom waited. Oh, Silver! Over! Oh, not take you along. I won't dismount, Otto. I have to ride. Where are you going? I'm going to Bedford to the governor. The sheriff never received an answer to his request. But I'm wondering if the governor didn't send his answer with Vern's brother and not by stage. Maybe that's right. Jake Fowler wanted the claim Vern found for himself. He must have known that if Vern ever got a chance to speak to his brother, he'd tell him where he'd made his strike, and his brother would file a claim. Jake would have to prevent that. You think him kill Walt? He had a motive. Uh-huh. And so, if I learn the governor sent the pardon with Walt, then we're going to trap Jake. Matt, that heap good. That's why I must ride to Bedford and see the pardon was sent. While I'm gone, Kimasabe, keep an eye on Byrne without his knowing it. You can find his trail, can't you? Oh, Tanto, find it. Then watch over him. And don't let him come to harm before we can act. Tanto, do that. Then
0: I'm a sorry Hello,
2: fellow. Hello, will How are you?
0: You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media.
4: Of
2: light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty, high old
1: silver, and the Lone Ranger. Spent the greater part of the evening in the cafe in town. But finally, breaking away from his companions, he mounted and made his way to the tumble down ranch house, where he had lived since its owners had moved out. Tanto, observing him, patiently waited another half hour, then leaped into the saddle and raced toward the house. Get him up, Scout! There, place! Hold, oh, Scout! Hold! Oh. Oh. Hold! Oh. Jake! It's not in bed yet. Who's that? You open door. Oh, Redskin, right, look here, engine. If you come to beg for grub, you can. There's trouble. In. You listen. Trouble? What do you mean trouble? Law, fine color, name Vern. What's that? Find him, take him to jail. <laughs> well, well, I'll be doggone. So he didn't get away after all. Redskin, that ain't in trouble, that's good news People in town plenty angry him break jail Maybe them get him and hang him No Huh? him say, him wants to see you Burns into here,
3: Redskin That's right If them blasted fools hang the kid, he be just like him Doggone, I can't him. let
1: that happen Burns say, get you, maybe you help him Is anything else? Did he say he's willing to come to terms? What you mean?
3: Oh, no, I reckon he wouldn't talk
1: about that to an Injun well, Redskin, you get back to town and tell her and I'm on my way there right now. Me, wait, and ride with you. Right, come you will. Get going and do like I said. But me, tell you. Him. You hear me? Clear out of here and follow. Uh,
3: all right. Don't go. go. Don't hang around here either.
1: Get on that horse of yours and start traveling. I'm watching you. Uh, get him up, Strong. Nah,
3: can't spy
1: on me. I'll get that part under the kindling in the
4: box here. (laughs) Blame, good place to hide it.
5: After it's been in there,
4: it'll look dirty enough to have been laying outside for a month. i tell the sheriff I found it caught in some shrubs. I can say my horse shied away from it, and I got down to see what it was. Uh, There she is. (laughs) Now to get to town. Can't let them blasted fools in town wrench the kid. If they do that, I'll never get that
2: gold. Ready there, Father. Get up. Get up, Rachel. Right, get, get on there. Brain up, Dave. What the? Rain up, I say. Mash. I'm the man who's by the way for Walt Jackson's murder. Stay away from me. Get up. Get up there. Right. You won't brain up. I'll do it for you. You. Travel. That's wrong. Right, like lightning. I'll shoot me, no you, all the saddle.
4: Bow, bow, the hold, Hose Oh, Look here, you
2: can't. Give me your gun. Wait, wait, listen.
4: What are you aiming to do there? Give that? me that gun. Uh, all right. All right. I'm doing like you say, mister. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's better. Uh, now let me go. You're on. going to see Byrne, Jake. Uh, that's
4: what I want to do. They got him in town. And that's where I'm headed. You're for. headed for my camp.
1: Uh, but I don't say we meeting that. And in the morning, Jake, you're keeping an appointment I made for you almost three days ago. Now don't try to break away. Come on, Silver. the masked man and Tonto guarded their sullen prisoner. Then in the morning, they took to the saddle and rode toward the cabin at Crow Creek. There they drew their horses to a halt beyond the earshot of the cabin. Oh, sir. oh, oh, oh. Get down, Jake. Oh, you're covered. Stand right there. Tonto. Uh, give me that mask. Uh, here. Here, mask. And put it on him. Uh, Tonto, do that. Hey, what's that for? That mask. Jake, you're going to get paid back for trying to fix a murder on me. But I... You can... left a mask like mine near Wolf's body. Now, you're going to wear that same kind of mask to meet the brother of the man you killed.
2: Oh, no, you can't do that. But I yeah.
1: am. Is the mask on tight, No, it's not come loose. Good. I have an idea. Jake's going to get some rough treatment, and I don't want that mask to come off too soon. What are you going to do to me? I told you last night you were keeping an appointment I made for you three days ago. But that I... appointment, is with Vern Jackson. You see that cabin in the clearing over there? <laughs> I see it. Vern should be inside there right now.
3: He, he'll kill me. He'll see
4: this mask. He won't give me a chance. What
1: kind of a chance did you give his brother? Let me
4: go. I don't want to die. Please let me go. I'll tell the sheriff what i done, but, but I don't want to die this way. You're
1: going in that cabin. Don't give me a gun. You're going in unarmed. Oh,
4: No. It's the same as murder.
1: I don't know. I'll be watching you all the time, Jake. If you take off that mask, if you try to explain to Vern, we'll deal with you.
4: You, you can't do this to me. Please. Now get
1: going. Walk straight to the cabin. When you get there, open the door and walk inside. If Vern isn't there, wait for him. And if the first attempt to make a break for it, we'll shoot. Hurry. Or do we shoot now? No, no, I'll I'll go. All right. On your way. But it's the same as murder, I tell you. The same as murder. You think Vern shoot him? No, Tata. Vern isn't that kind. Even the day he first met us, he gave me a chance to draw. And he isn't a killer. He wouldn't shoot down an unarmed man. No. But Jake doesn't know that. Right now, he's being punished by his own cowardice. And he deserves every bit of the agony he's going through. Mm-hmm. Him, plenty, bad fella. We'll play safe, Tyler. Just as soon as Jake gets close to the door, we'll follow. We can watch through the window. If the does try to shoot, we'll stop him. I don't want to die. The door. If the inside, if I don't go in, the masked player will shoot me. I ain't got no choice, no chance. Well, so there you are. You did show up. Now get inside. Don't shoot me. Well, I'll be. Why, you yellow skunk? why you shoot hey, I can't explain. Explain to but... me. Uh, listen up. You kid, You left your gun behind because you knew I couldn't drill you without giving you a chance. Let me do it. You're is. here to beg off. You come sneaking in here without a gun, hoping to get out of it. Suppose you figured I'd listen to you. Then you wouldn't have to worry about me hunting out again.
4: Well, it won't work. You don't have
1: it. It ain't the way you think at all. Shut up! I'll show you. I don't need a gun. I'll handle you with my bare hands. You don't hit me. Either. Yeah. There's my shooting iron on the floor. Out of the way. Oh. Now we're even. And now I'm going to give you the beating of your life. Stay away. I'm all us and yellow skunks. Maybe this will make you a fight. Ow.
2: And this. Out my eyes. Fight,
1: Blanchard. Fight me. Ain't you got no nerve at all? Why, you ain't got no more backbone than a snake. The mask man. The fella everybody talks about. And even a scared to fight with fists. <laughs> He didn't say I couldn't fight back. What's that you're
5: saying?
4: Hit me with uh, So you are going to fight? That's just fine. I'll show you. Put down that chair. Uh, you yeah. uh, yeah, missed And here's
2: something for you. Uh, yeah. This should sure.
4: I give up. I've had enough. Uh, don't hit me again. Get
3: up here. I'm tearing off that mask. Mister, I'm going to be the first man to see who's behind that mask of yours. No. Now then. What?
1: Jake. Jake Fowler. Listen, Vern. You. Vern, I ain't the real ass brother. Honest, I ain't Come d- moment. What in Look In Jake's hip pocket. But you. Which I say? There's nothing here I have. A, a paper. paper. But what. Open it, it for... and look at it. A pardon. A pardon for me from the governor. The pardon he sent with your brother. The pardon Jake stole and kept after he'd murdered your brother. Uh, I don't say this. I can tell you exactly what happened. Jake killed your brother, so you couldn't tell him where your claim was. Then he found the pardon and kept it. But... But how do I know that's true? The governor can tell you the pardon was sent. They can tell you I checked with him. What's more, here's a second pardon. He gave me that to use in case Jake had destroyed the first for some reason. Mister, you went to see the governor just to help me out? To help you and bring a murderer to justice. The second pardon will prove my story. The date shows it was issued after I spoke to you. Todd and I tricked Jake into getting the first one from the place he'd hid it. And that pins your brother's murder on him. Only Walt's killer could have had that paper. I didn't mean to kill him. Just wound him was all... You no skunk. We'll leave you to take him to jail, Vern. You can handle him all right. You just bet I can't. No. Oh, not jail. I'll be hung.
2: Maybe they'll lynch me. If they lynch you,
1: it ain't no more than you got coming. You killed Walt and framed me. But if it hadn't been for the mess, fella, maybe you'd have got my claim besides. Now, get going for town. If you're going to be hung, I want to be the one that puts a rope around your neck.
2: Silver, will There's justice to be done. Someone's waiting for us on the trail ahead. I'll see you over. Away! <laughs>
1: Is a copyrighted feature of the Lone Ranger Incorporated.
0: Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior!
1: of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty high-yo silver, the Lone Ranger. United States. The settlers found rich grazing land in Texas, gold and silver in the hill country, and fertile soil ideal for farming on the Great Plains. Hard work brought the pioneers a good living, but not peace and security. Outlaws, gunmen, and swindlers roamed the West. Law and order might never have been established if it had not been for the masked rider of the plains. With his faithful Indian companion Tonto, he fought crime and criminals throughout the territory, and the memory of his deeds will remain as long as the memory of the frontier itself. Return with us now to those thrilling days of yesteryear. From out of the past, come the thundering hoop beats of the great horse Silver. The Lone Ranger rides again.
2: Come on, Silver! We're heading off to Kansas. Oh, Silver! you
1: new drought threatened one of the biggest sections of wheat in the entire West. Clem Barker, who was known as the leader of the wheat-raising community, saw disaster threatening. The lack of rain gave promise of drying up the crop to such an extent that there wouldn't even be seed for the following year. He called a meeting with his friends, and... I thought, boys, if we were to get our heads together, we might figure out some way to save a little of the wheat crop. Ain't nothing but water can save it, Clem. And there no water.
4: It's reached the point where we ain't likely to have even have enough water for drinking.
1: That's going pretty far, Leif. Where's
4: well, the truth... A spring on my place is most gone dry. I'm figuring on hauling water from the hill if it
1: gets much worse. I'm willing to listen to any suggestions anyone has. Glad to hear that, Jim. You'll be an owner of the land adjoining mine. I look to you to help me put an idea across. You've got an idea, Clem? Reckon so. What's your scheme? We can't save all the wheat, but we can maybe save one crop. Maybe save part of mine, the north section. I
4: know that! I
1: know it. Dad let it all...
4: He's figuring on the pack of us leaving our own fields and pitching in to help him save his. Why, you selfish old... it and... easy.
1: Wait till you hear my ID. Go on, Clem. Never mind what lay says. We've got to get seed. We all pitch in together and save my crop. Get the seed, split it up. We'll all be fixed for another year. Dad, right? But that sounds good. Sure, it sounds good. It's the only thing to do. First class good sense. Maybe so. Why should I get my share of the seed? You'll get your share, all we'll right? We'll see to that. We'll wag it up in equal parts.
4: But he ain't said yet how he figures on saving his crop. By hauling water from the mountains, Mud River. Hauling water by thunderation? Now I know you're a
1: Hey, so. We all got teams and buckboards. We can put barrels on the buckboards, drive to Mud River, and haul barrels full of water down to spread over that one section. You're sure you can get men to help us, Clem? I know blame well I can. Why, Shucks, towns full of men right now. Men that ain't no crops left to work on on account of the drought. All they need is cash. I got about $500 saved. I'll start the pool with that. I, 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 you reckon, you know where I stand, Clem. I'll give you all I got, but that ain't much. Whatever it is, it'll help. I got a couple hundred cash money. Well, that'll be 700 I figure we ought to have close to $1,000. that will hire all the men we need. To save your wheat. Dad, rapidly, if it ain't to save my wheat, it's to save your seed.
4: Well, I'll chip in what I got. Me too.
1: That's the talk, boys. By thunder, we ain't licked yet. Now, you just leave it to me. By tomorrow morning I'll have men and horses and wagons here and we'll start moving Mud River. Clem didn't know that one of his plans had gone ahead of him and that the fashionably dressed man with a beaver hat, gaudy vest and long frock coat was schemer Kincaid, who'd swindle people in all parts of the West. Kincaid was talking to Lorimer, the one who had brought the news of the plan for saving Wheat, and You ought to be here most any minute now, Kincaid. That's fine, my friend, that's fine. Fine and dandy. Yes, indeed. Hey, oh, bartender, set up another drink for my friend Lorimer. You're right generous, Mr. Kincaid. Don't forget what we rehearsed. Here we go. That's the fellow Clem Barker. <laughs> like a sheep to be shorn. He ain't no fool. I don't get that notion. He ain't to be took in easy. My friend, you're looking at an expert. Smarter men than him have listened to me and regretted it. we better start talking. He's close enough to hear. You start. Well, Mr. Kincaid, that rain-making gun of yours certainly did the trick for my cousin over in Dakota. Yes, yes, if yet to know to fail. Yes, sir. The way he wrote about you in his letter, why, why, I couldn't believe it. He spoke highly of my ability, eh? Yes, sir. He said it was the greatest invention he'd ever seen. Why, he's told everyone he's seen about how you went up there when there wasn't a sign of rain. Not even the Beth Indians could see a sign of rain coming. Not for weeks. My invention defies all the laws of nature. He told me it was having your rain-making gun tested out in Washington. Oh, yes, yes. I hope to sell the invention to the government. Change the weather. Turn deserts into fertile fields. Bring warm rain to the Arctic. Make arid plateaus, rich grazing, lush grass waving in the soft, warm breeze, hush. Well, that's what my cousin said. He said that for a couple thousand dollars, you saved the whole blame state from starving. How many times did he have to use the gun? Not many. First shot he fired, made the sky get sort of black when it echoed, it sounded like the distant thunder. And the second shot? At the second shot, the sky clouded up some more. Shucks, after the third shot, it was raining bucketfuls. Three shots. Hmm. I think the gun needs a little adjusting. Claims listening close. Keep talking. How soon do you reckon you'll be ready to market it? Uh, not until next season. Here rains need it mighty bad here in Kansas. I've only got one working right left. I'd sell it. Sold one to your cousin. Uh, pardon me, mister. My name's Clem Barker. Oh, yes, yes, Mr. I, Barker. I couldn't help hearing you talk about that there rain gun. He's a spy, Kincaid. He's trying to steal your idea. Oh, I ain't. I own a wheat farm around here. How does this gun work, anyway? I think the details would be too much for you, but I'll tell you the principle, Mr. Barker. It's a unique idea, a wonderful idea. Science claims that there are always rain clouds passing overhead, that there isn't enough disturbance to burst them open so the rain will fall. My gun is designed to break these clouds. It can't fail. Gosh. Our crops are bad this year and we need rain. Say, Kincaid, it's too bad, bad you can't bring your working it. model out here. Why, tell it let you in on a secret law, my working model is out here. Oh, uh, listen, I've got an ID. Well? I'd like to use that gun of yours. You just stop off to my place for a week or so and we can pay you for the time and... <laughs> you don't seem to realize what my time is worth, my good fellow. Just fix the price. Yeah, let me see. If you were sure this rain-making gun of yours would work... I'd go as high as a uh, $1,000 worth. For the good of the country to save your crops, I might let you rent it. To you. Yeah. Yes, I think I should. And the powder. You'll have to have the powder for the gun. I will supply it. Then it's a deal. Great. The boys will be glad. Why, we won't just save my crop. We'll save everyone's wheat. Sam Barker enthused about the rental of the swindler's machine, one man, a tall stranger, slipped unnoticed from the cafe and circled the big wooden building to reach his horse, tethered in the woods. At the side of the big white stallion, the stranger paused to replace his worn black hat with a white one hanging on the saddle pommel. He slipped a mask over his eyes, then leaped to the saddle.
2: Come on, sail over!
1: A few moments of hard riding brought him to a secluded camp where he reined in. Oh, that's over. Oh, boy. Donald. Ah, oh, no. uh, he here. You come in big hurry. Yes. I overheard something in the town, Tyler. I was waiting in the cafe to talk to Clem Barker about the wheat crops. You see him? I saw him, but I didn't get the chance to speak. There was another man there, a swindler named Kincaid. What'd him do? He talked to Barker. He rented him a rain-making gun. Oh, that no good. Of course it isn't. But Clem paid a thousand dollars for the gun. Kincaid made him think he would surely get rain by using it. The only way to make him realize the gun's a fake is to let him try it. But crooks wait. Say, you said Kimosabe that there wouldn't be rain for many more days. That's right. And as a weather prophet, you never fail. Rain not coming long time. Very well. Then we're sure Kincaid can't be lucky enough to have rain come after they start firing the gun. They'll know it's a fake. We'll let them find it out for themselves, then act. Shots. Dad, got right it all. The sky ain't showing no sign of cloud.
4: Oh, Paul, I'm afraid you've been swindled. You can hear the men grumbling, Paul. They've been broken fun at you all day. Here, Jim. Here, give me a hand.
1: I'll help you all I can, Clem. But I'm afraid it ain't no use.
4: Fire that contraption again. Let's see that ring you promised us. Yeah. It's getting awful angry, Paul.
1: Get it loaded, Jim. Tamp that powder down good and firm this time. I'll try. Clem. Uh, now, Take it easy. Take it easy, gents. Give me a chance. Maybe I ain't learned how to use this thing right yet Ah, uh, you're working it the only way it can be worked Putting powder in, lighting the fuse, and let it roar Ain't no
4: good, it's a fake That's what I've been saying That's what I said when you first fetched it over here That thing's annoyingly fake And that critter, Kincaid,'s nothing but a first-class swinger. No,
1: boys, give me a chance Spend all our money
4: Spend all our money for that doggone thing Instead of doing as you promised And hiring men to take the
1: water in barrels from the hill We got plenty powder here We'll just keep a firing and hope for the best. It's ready to fire again.
4: Stand back, Paul. Stand back.
1: I like the fuse. (laughs) Maybe this time we'll fetch the rain.
4: Uh, I ain't holding no hope at all.
1: We're just beat, that's all.
4: And it's my idea that you took that cash and kept it yourself. This is just a trick of yours to get our money. Don't you say that about Paul. I said it and I stand by it. Paul ain't no swindler. He ain't no crook. Then let him give back our cash. Yeah, I'd
1: like my money back, too. I ain't got it, I tell you. I spent it. I give it to that man to rent this gun. If it don't work. You'll get it back. He said so. Yeah, give it back. Where is he at? How can he get it back? If he ain't here. Well, he said he'd be back. Yeah, we've
4: seen the last of him getting you back your shirt on that. Get back. The fuse is lighted. Maybe this time we will do it. Well, if we don't, we ain't going to let you fire it no more. We're scaring what few critters we got to the point where they're going to bust out in the corral.
1: Now, look sharp. See if you don't see some clouds blowing up. well I mm. Oh, I'm afraid we ain't going to get no rain, Clem. Oh, Pa, it ain't no use. Ain't a doggone bit of use. And you ain't going to fire that cannon no more. We've heard enough of it's roaring around here, scaring cows and chickens, making horses bust the fences.
4: That settles it. Uh,
1: Don't worry about the cash I paid you, Clem. You can
4: worry about my cash. I want it back and I aim to get it. If
1: you ain't got the cash, I'll
4: take what you owe me in livestock.
1: I'll pay up. I'll give you back your cash. I reckon there ain't nothing else to do. I'm just licked. Licked completely.
4: Oh, Pa, you should have known better. You can't make rain by firing a gun that way.
1: I reckon I found it out, Betty, but it's too late. Now everything's gone. The wheat, and what cash we had as well. The curtain falls on the first act of our thrilling home Ranger drama. Before the next exciting scenes, please permit us to pause for just a few moments.
2: Behold! Ma! Process. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, aha, uh-huh. it's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, with an exclusive Loot Crate surprises to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy, uh-huh. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude, cowabunga, to the Loot Gaming video
0: game box. <laughs> Woo! yee To the starting as large as $11.99 per month, Those are box just about for all collectors in. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media dot forward slash loot crate. Great Scott!
2: Snap into a loot crate, dig it!
0: tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media.
2: Of light a cloud of dust and a hearty silver oh, and the Lone Ranger. Now to
1: continue our story, when Clem Barker had fired the cannon several times with no success, he realized that he had been the victim of a swindle. Evening found him in his home with Betty, his daughter, and Jim, the neighboring farmer. I wouldn't mind losing the cash I had. It's losing your money, Jim. That's what hurts me. Why have I got to be such a doggone old fool? It wasn't your fault, Clem. Chances are that any one of us would have done the same thing. All I thought was that if we could save all the wheat by getting rain, be a downside better than hiring men to lug water and save just enough for seed. Don't take it so hard, Paul. If we only had some cash left, we could maybe import seed for next year's planting. But we ain't a dime. See who's there, will you, Betty? Of
4: course. Likely one of the men to tell you what he thinks all over again. Oh, good evening.
1: Clare, I, I thought I'd better drop over here and... Then... Oh... Well, go on. Have your say. It ain't so much me. It's it's Leif. He's bound to determine you're going to pay back what he gave you. I told him he could take livestock and call it square. And we'll do it.
4: Oh, you got the door wide open for me.
1: You come to correct, huh? I
4: sure as Sunder did. Sunder ain't so sure these days. I'll take your horses back with me, Barker. Now, leave. You heard me. You owe me cash and I'm collecting. I'll need more horses to haul my belongings and new heels. I ain't staying here to starve. I'm from
1: States. Just a minute. Hold it. I want speak to you. Mask man. Another scheming an outlaw looking for cash from you. I'm not an outlaw. What's the mask for? Wait a minute, Barker. I want to speak to all of you men. A man packing guns like them on your belt stranger, can speak all he likes. Thanks. You aren't ready for rain yet. Eh? Hey? What do you mean by that? If you do get rain, it'll gather in low places. And most of your crop will be as dry as it is right now. There ain't no rain in sight. Well, get ready for it. And you won't go to. You've got to plow your fields, plow deep furrows so the rain will fill them and soak into the ground. Then your wheat will get the water it needs. I've heard enough of these fool notions. You haven't heard all you're going to hear. I don't see much sense in plowing the ground. Just a lot more hard work to go for nothing. You've spent a thousand dollars for that gun. Why not spend a couple of days of work so you'll get the wheat you've already paid for? Get those furrows plowed. Then see what happens. Wait!
4: Get him back. I want to speak to him. I'll call him. He's your call. Listen. Did you hear that?
1: Silver. Who is he? Clem. He called that horse Silver. And had two guns. And a mask.
4: What are you talking about? You
1: know him? That's one man I listen to. Jim, we're going to do what he says. We'll start plowing furrows in the morning. There's still some hope. He wouldn't have told us that if there wasn't a chance for it. Well, who is he? Yeah. Who
4: is that masked
1: critter that you listen to like this? You doggone fool, late larkin. You do what he said. You plow. Plow them furrows. That man is the Lone Ranger. The next day, Clem started early in the morning, plowing deep furrows through the wheat fields, as the masked man had instructed him to do. get up there. Get along. In a nearby field, his friends plowed, following his example. Lave had forgotten his intention to take Clem Barker's horses, as he himself, impressed by all the stories he'd heard about the Lone Ranger, plowed furrow after furrow through the sun parched wheat. And then, about noon, Betty came to meet her father, carrying some food done up in a napkin. Oh, there, boys. Oh, Father's oh, oh. coming, Paul. Oh, it's coming along. It's sure hard work under this blistering in the sun, though.
4: I brought you your lunch so you wouldn't have to take time out to come back to the house.
1: That's right. Thoughtful of you, girls. I wonder how Jim's making out.
4: I got another package of lunch. I'm going to take it over to his place.
1: I sure hope we ain't making a mistake.
4: <laughs> Even Late Larkin's far in the field.
1: We're all counting on that lone ranger. I don't know what he's going to do.
4: I don't see how he can make rain if nothing else can.
1: He's got a scheme of some sort. I'm staking everything on it. If he ain't, just more hard work gone for nothing.
4: Well, here's your lunch. Oh, Pa... There's something peculiar.
1: Well, what is that?
4: You left that old cannon you bought and the keg of powder for it in the tool shed. <laughs> yeah.
1: Every time I look at it, it'll remind me of the fool I made of myself. Listening to a swindling coyote like Kincaid fella.
4: You didn't move the powder, did you?
1: No, it was there last evening. Why?
4: Well, it's gone. Gone? Yes. Yeah. I went out to see if it was covered so the spark from the chimney wouldn't land on it and blow it up. And it wasn't there.
1: Well, it's got to be there. I left it there.
4: Well, there was a mark on the floor where the keg had been standing, but the keg was gone.
1: Oh, but Dad had it who's been stealing that powder anyway. It's no good to anybody unless they want to make a lot of trouble with it. It's dangerous stuff. Wonder who's taking
4: it. Look, I found these where the keg had been standing.
1: Bullets. That's a warning of some sort.
4: But, Pa, look at these bullets. I've never seen the
1: like of them. Eh? Let me see, girl. Let me see them. They look like silver. Doggone if they ain't. Silver, Betty. Silver bullets. That's it. That tells me where the powder is. But
2: doggone, what's
1: he doing with it? Keep flowing, Clem. Keep flowing. Hey, there he is. That masked man again. He's right behind that gully. We
2: meet again,
1: Clem. I away. By nightfall, Clem's field was plowed, and the tired old man turned in with fervent hopes and prayers that his labor wouldn't be in vain. He didn't know that the lone ranger was riding, riding through the night toward a distant town where Tonto said Kincaid and Lorimer were staying. Come
2: on, Silver!
1: He arrived there and soon located the two schemers in the cafe. He waited them when they left. Good night, boys. We'll see you tomorrow. Very interesting, Kincaid. Traveling around with you. Yes, yes, my friend. There's never a dull minute with Professor Kincaid. (laughs) (laughs) Professor, now, (laughs) my ginger, you've got more schemes than a man can shake a stick at. (laughs) One minute. Huh? What's this? I want to talk to you, Kincaid. You know me. You stole $1,000 from Clem Barker. I did nothing of the sort. It's a case of mistaken identity, a grave error. Your accusations are the truth. The men there are looking for you. You sold them an old cannon and a few dollars worth of powder. They want to keep the powder, and they'll pay what it's worth. But you're buying back the gun. Get to your saddles, and we'll start. But wait, you can't du- start it, oh, Don't jab me. Started. Sorry. Let's talk it on, on your way. way. We can have the cash. You'll be taking your last ride right now. Panic-stricken, the two had no choice but to obey the masked man's sharp commands. They rode through the night, trying to persuade the lone ranger to take their cash and let them go. It was a futile effort. Kincaid, for the first time in his scheming, misspent life, was really frightened. He'd met one man who would not be persuaded by his good tongue. Morning found Clem Barker fuming with fury when he stepped from his home to see another cloudless sky without a sign of rain. Fooled again, Blast it all. All that plowing for nothing. No,
4: Pa, I... I, You
1: wish I'd stop listening to folks.
4: Now the men will be furious. All the work they'd done yesterday, thinking it would rain today.
1: Just because that masked man told us to. Well, I'm done. I ain't listening no more.
4: Oh, there, there's Jim riding
1: over. Well, you may as well get set to hear some hard talk, Betty. Oh, boy there, oh, boy! Oh, Good morning, Jim. Well, I hope you're satisfied now, Clem. I, I didn't think the Lone Ranger would fool us, Jim. Well, I hate to think what their mothers will say. After all, Paul, the Lone Ranger didn't promise
4: there'd be rain. You
1: give us that understanding, though. Here they come, the rest of the men.
4: Oh, sakes alive! I wish I'd never listened to nobody.
1: Hey. What's that coming from the west? It's
4: the last man. Hey, there's the three of us. Who are
1: the others? Kincaid. Kincaid and Laura. Oh, 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 oh. Just a minute,
4: Clayton. String them up. They the ones got our cash. Yeah. Let them get back the money. That's quiet, the money.
2: Quiet, all of you. Don't you
1: hold that gun on me. Shoot them. Shoot all three of oh, No, gentlemen, don't shoot. Don't shoot. Please give us a chance to talk. Slindless, eh? Where's my money? Where's all our money? And you?
4: It was you who had us plowing all day yesterday. Sure, so
1: were you. Will you keep quiet long enough to listen? Yes, gentlemen. Gentlemen, we didn't swindle you. Uh, my invention must have failed. You knew, Dog Ben, well, it would fail. Dad, got an old discarded army gun? Jim, you seem to have a level head. Well, it's doggone upset right now. Here, here's a package of powder. Enough to fire that gun once more. Go and load the gun and fire it. Don't you listen to more of them fool notions? Take the powder and do what I tell you. Go so on. Maybe you didn't fire it enough. Resented the interference of the Lone Ranger, but no one tried to stop Jim as he loaded the cannon. Finally, with everything in readiness, the masked man gave the order to fire. <laughs> There you are. I still
4: don't see no rain. You
1: don't care where the water comes from as long as you get it, do you? Anywhere's all right if we get it. Look up at the mountain. There's water!
2: A
4: oh, regular Look. river.
1: mud river has changed its course. Do you see it?
2: It's coming right down this way. It
4: looks as if there was a blast way up on the mountain.
2: Watch that water. Watch the furrows you plowed. There's
1: your water. There's your water. Now are you satisfied? It's
4: coming right down into the furrows.
1: It's filling up the furrows in the field.
4: Would it do the same to my fields? All
1: your fields will be flooded. Your furrows filled. And we'll get enough water to carry it along for several weeks. By that time, you'll have rain. Now are you satisfied? Satisfied? You see, your gun brought water. Leaping catfish. Then I didn't make a bad buy after all. There's your water. There's the salvation of all our wheat fields. Not just enough wheat for seed, but wheat for eating, wheat for flour, wheat for all of us. Yippee! Yay! Look at that water! Now, maybe you'll have some faith in the next man that comes through this way. I always said it wasn't a good thing for a man to lose his faith in human nature, <laughs> and I was right. Look at that. Look at that water. Ain't it a sight to see? On your way, Kincaid. Come on, Lorimer. Let's get out while they get getting good. Get, get up there. Get up,
2: get up, get up. I'm going back see, I'm to see how old fields
1: look. You'll find them filling with water.
2: Come on, Sam. Let's go see. You. Get up.
1: Oh, You've done it, Stranger. You sure enough done
4: it. But wait a minute, Paul. That cannon
1: didn't bring that water. It, it was fire. Certainly to save you from being laughed at by everyone, Clem, as the man who bought the rain making gun. But I I don't savvy. Most of the power was fixed in the blast high up on the mountainside. A blast that opened a new channel for Mud River. So it would flow down here and water your fields. And And you fixed that blast? My friend fixed it. Kincaid wanted a chance to get out of here alive, so he'd make good the things he'd done in other places, and I gave him that chance.
5: I begin to understand why folks talk so about you, stranger.
1: Here's a thousand dollars. You can give back the money the men loaned you. It's from Kincaid. From The water, the water, and all the wheat saved, and the cash back. Funderation, this is more than I can savvy. <laughs> Doggone it, I wasn't such a big fool after all. Pa, don't you take no credit? But if I hadn't bought that powder? If you hadn't, I bet the masked man would have found some other way to save us. I reckon you're right, Betty. I reckon you're right at that. The Lone Ranger always finds a way. Hail, Silver, holly!
2: Come on, Silver, all boy! This Indian travel to the west! Hail, Silver, holly! have <laughs> consistent
1: A copyrighted feature of the Lone Ranger Incorporated.
0: You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media.
1: the speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty high yo silver, the Lone Ranger. states, when the red man still ruled vast sections of desert and plain, the establishment of settlements for the whites often caused dangerous conflict. But there were those in that pioneer period who believed that Indians and white men could live peaceably in the same great southwest. One of these, the greatest champion of justice ever to ride the plains of Western America, was a masked horseman mounted upon a great white charger, a figure who inspired the pioneer of long ago. Return with us to those days when the West was young and the ringing hoofbeats of Silver sounded on the outlying trail. The Lone Ranger rides again.
2: Come on, Silver! Follow the river! Faster, old boy! From the Indians the attack! Hail, Silver! Away! <laughs>
1: Along the eastern bank of the Rojos River squatted the century-old adobe huts of Rico home of the superstitious Zuni Indians. On the western bank lived Dana Sturgis and his small but determined band, of the Pioneers. These men, with their families, had but a short time before been attracted by the fertile soil and had founded a farming settlement. One day in the new general store operated by Dana and his wife, Mabel, the Pioneers talked of the strange, seldom-seen tribe across the Rojos and... Eric, you say them engines is called Z- Zuni. Not Zuni, Tom. Zuni, 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 huh? Oh, sure, Tom.
5: <laughs> Ain't you ever heard Dana talking about him? There's a white sound in it just before the eye. And them redskins are just as strange as their name.
1: Yeah, I know that, Mrs. Sturgis. Because just before Dana went down the river's edge to fish, she was... well, really are you saying something about what mighty funny superstitions them engines have? Well, Tom, I don't know much about them myself. But I guess Dana does, because he told me this tribe across the river here is an offshore... Well, I just now noticed you,
4: mister. Were you looking for something special? Oh. No, thanks.
1: I just dropped in to pass a little time.
4: Riding through this way?
1: Yes, I'll be heading north again soon. Well,
5: make yourself home here, mister. If you see anything you want, let me know. You
1: say Eric, the um, Indians is an offshoot of some real old tribe? Yep, that's what Dana told me. Why hasn't Dana told us this before, if he knows so blame much about it? Why, ever since we first settled here, them dobley huts across the river has been a mystery? Now, just a minute, Tom. Don't get the idea Dana knows all this and know about Zuni engines. You don't. Well, what did Dana tell you? He said an old prospector told him that the original Zunias controlled all this land around here. But that the Spaniards came in and tried to drive them out. And did they? No, but they stole plenty from them. And made the engines forever plenty mad at sight of any white man.
5: Eric, you ain't telling it all.
1: Well, how's that, Miss Sturgis?
5: The old prospector told Dana about, um, about seven cities of gold.
1: Oh, sure. Now I remember. The seven cities of Cibola.
5: That's it. It seems the Spanish explorers imagined a lot of that gold business. Yeah.
1: They saw the sun is shining on derby huts, like the ones we can just see across the Rojos here. And
5: thought they was made out of gold. Oh,
1: so that's how it all started, huh? Eh? Yep. And I suppose that's why we ain't seen much of them Zunias over there. Because we ain't never crossed the river to their side.
5: No, I hope Dana's got enough sense not to try it now, either. I always say, leave well enough alone. Them redskins don't come over here. He ain't got no business on their side. Oh,
1: shucks. Dana can take care of himself, Mr. Sturgis. He's likely as not busy hauling a nice mess of river fish. Yeah, <laughs> so. You
5: never can tell about injury.
1: Hey, listen. What's that, Rufus?
5: The angels.
4: Look Look the end of the river. By Thunder, you're right. They're coming in canoes. The whole tribe of them. Eric, get out of the way. I've got to find Dana. He's down there by the river. Wait a minute. Here comes Bob Fawcett and all the other men. Eric, Tom, get your muskets, over. The engines are coming. Angels I see coming. Is, Bob. But where's Dana? He was down at the river, there. So it's he? I don't know, but we ain't time for
1: nothing. except so to get our muskets. Come
4: on, you fellas. Get ready for a fight. Get ready for a fight. Get for a fight. Get ready
1: Notice for the pioneers, the stranger had left them at the first cry of danger, made his way to the great white horse, hidden a short distance away. Then, astride Silver, the Lone Ranger raced along the slanting trails toward the river.
2: Come on, Silver! The Indians are attacking the whites! We've got to find a way to stop them! Head for the river! The river, old fellow! Come on, Silver! <laughs>
1: Resting the summit of the by trail, the phantom rider shot down the slope to the bank of the Rojos. Lined six across and six deep, the war canoes of the Indians cut swiftly over the river. The first flank nearing the western bank and the white settlement. The Lone Ranger sighted but a short distance ahead of Silver. Another horse and rider as he shouted at the top of his voice. Oh, oh, oh Silver! 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 General! General! You see
2: war canoes,
1: white you bring news. You and Scout are both dripping wet. Indians lose Big God, Ronda from Dopey Temple. A Zuni idol stolen? That's right. Somebody take it last night. And they think it was the white man. That's why they're attacking now. Ah. Already two more canoes up there. Yes. I see them now. They're almost out of sight around that bend. Indians capture one white man. They must Ah. Take them back to Puerto Rico now. Thomas, we can't wait longer. The first flight of canoes is almost ready to land the warriors. But now I know why the Zunis have come across the river. Now a plan that may work. Come on, Kimosabe, and hurry. Get him up, Scout. Come on, Silver. Right along the river, Come on, old fellow. Come on! Kimosabe,
2: those Indians are round only with bows and arrows. And the white fire upon them, Davis Circus will die. Right up the banks of the whites. Tell them not to fire at any cost. Come for gold. Come on, it's got... The life of a white man depends on you, Tattle. Girl, Silver, Our plan on. will only prevent bloodshed. Come on, old fellow. We're riding between the red men and the white. Hello, Silver,
1: away! Suddenly, a single war canoe shot ahead of the others. Nearly touched the river's bank, it the Zuni chief stood erect at the prow to command his men. And high up on the western bank, Eric shouted the command to the pioneers.
4: Raise your muskets, every man of you. Take aim! But even as he
1: cried these words, riding to the midst of the whites came Tonto. Shoot.
4: You not shoot, musket. Wait. What's happening? A redskin. A redskin already outside the river. You not shoot,
2: Indian. You not shoot. Or Indian, kill white men. Kill
5: him. kill him.
2: We
4: know that soon ye already capture white man. Then what are we waiting for, Eric? Look down at the river. They'll land any second. Tom, Sam, Eric. Come on, wait. Wait. You shoot Indian. Uh, Indian sure kill white man. You wait. Eric, Tom, maybe the
5: redskins' right.
4: Tom, look. That hell on the big white right horse. What's he doing? He's a masked man. And he's riding right along the riverbank. Right out in front of them war canoes. The fool. They've got him in no time. He ain't a chance. Him have plenty chance. What? Him friend the counter. Now, you look. Indian have bow, arrow. Him have gun. It's in your right. Look, look at the masked
5: man. <laughs>
1: Before the amazed eyes of the pioneers, sped a phantom figure on a great silver horse, and raced before the very prowls of the advancing warcraft. But as bows were sprung taut, and deadly arrows poised, another kind of weapon, the white man's six-gun water language any man could understand, as terror struck at the Indians.
2: There's one old fellow, the chief's canoe, and there another, and another. They're sinking, Silver, sinking, and we're going to turn the tide of battle. Come on, Silver, get close to the river there. Once more, pass the ball, boy! We've got to show the Indians we mean business! I silver! Away!
1: And with the tide of jumbled, bouncing war canoes now turned back toward the huts across the Rojos River, the white men dropped their loaded muskets, hardly able to believe what they had just seen. Eric! Sam, all of you, did you see what the masked man did? He rode right up to them
4: draw bows, crossed in front of a whole tribe of engine warriors, and, and scared them out single-handed. The masked man, here he comes. Hong oh, Kong, no, him comes. The masked man, you... You drove off
1: the engine. How in blazes did you ever do it? Mr.
4: Min- Min, I suppose we ought to be afraid of you. You look just like an outlaw. Outlaw? But I guess we
1: ain't. Not now. I have my own reasons for wearing the mask, and I'm not an outlaw. Gosh, even if you are, after what you did for us, well, we can forget most anything now. Yeah, but where in thunder did you come from? And
4: how did you ever scare them red devils out so quick?
1: It doesn't matter where I came from. But when I saw that those Indians were armed only with bows and arrows, I had to protect them. Protect them? We thought it was us you was protecting. It was both the Indians and you I had in mind. But... I don't have him, Mister. And perhaps you'll understand this: you men were greatly outnumbered. We sure was, Mister. But even if you had opened fire on the Zuni's, who know nothing of bullets and powder, their bows and arrows would have been almost useless. Seems like you proved that, Mask Man, with only two six guns. Yes, but you men would have aimed to kill. I only sunk their canoes. If you had killed, that tribe would be your everlasting enemy. I see your point, Mister. But you can't tell us them Redskins ain't our enemy right now. <laughs> Just a minute! Not a one of you is going to cross that river. And why ain't we?
4: You ain't our boss,
1: Mask Man. But Dana's our leader. Yeah, it was him brought us here first, and I say help listen Dana, to me, all of you. you want to get Dana back alive, do just as I say. Are
5: you in league with them Redskins?
1: No, but I've learned a few things about them. Now the plan that'll save Dana, and at the same time, weld a lasting peace between you whites and those unis. How do you know your plan will work? I don't, but I've good reason to believe it will. And you men are going to do as I say. What makes you think that? Because what you want more than anything else is Dana Sturgis alive. Oh,
5: we do, we do, Mister Smith. Nina. I'll do anything to get Dana back.
1: Now listen. And I'll tell you why the Indians attacked you today. You you know that? The reason they come here us? Yes. Someone, perhaps white men, perhaps red, has stolen an idol from the Zuni's. What? You mean one of the gods they worship? Exactly. But how do you know that? Tonto know that. Tonto tell friend. Indian? You mean you have been over there in the Zuni village? Ah. Tonto know that Ronda, guardian god of Zuni, gone. Well,
5: sure. Eric, Tom, look at his horse. He's dripping wet.
1: Them swim in the river, don't you see? Well, happy a gone. And that's why we must try my plan to safeguard the life of Dana Sturgis. Don't attack the Indians if you would save him. You think the Indians are holding them as a hostage? I do. Now, Tonto and I are leaving you for the present. We've got work to do. In the meantime, keep guards posted along the riverbank, just in case the Zunis come here again looking for their idol.
5: But, mister, we ain't got their idol. I
1: know that, but the Indians don't. And when we find out where it is, I'm coming back for some of you. Because you people are going to take rum dust back to the Zuni. the scout! They're way. going! Look at that white horse trap! The, the curtain falls on the first act of our thrilling Lone Ranger drama. Before the next exciting scenes, please permit us to pause for just a few moments.
0: you're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media.
1: the speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty high of silver, the Lone Ranger. Now to continue our story, the masked rider and his Indian companions scoured the country across the river, even to the very borders of the Zunyi village of Rico. but no clue to the theft of the idol could be found. Then on the fourth day, the Lone Ranger and Tonto returned to the western bank of the Rojos, where we find them picking a slow trail northward along the river's edge. Well, the Zunyi's are superstitious, but I'm convinced we're matching our wits against a tribe more clever and superstitious. I think you're right about them wanting a Zuni idol for their own guardian spirit. Mm. You look. There. Clutch, Tonto. The clue we've been looking for. Oh, so. oh Scott. Oh. Tonto, look over here. Ah, Heavy hoof prints. Too heavy for light Indian ponies. What do you make of them? Maybe them carrying heavy load. In the idol, yes. Still, how can horses carry it? Its so weight might not be too much, but its size would make it almost impossible to handle with horses. I wonder... Wait. Look at these marks here. Them uh, long marks go way off there. Cut ground. Two parallel lines about three feet apart. Leading out of the reeds along the river back and heading inland. Come on, son. Look these reeds. Uh, don't, don't think this are our trail. It's here, must Hidden Hit in these reeds. All right. Me. Right. Me see. This is what brought the idle up the river. Here it was unloaded onto what was probably a crude sled. Perhaps two poles for the runners. Then horses dragged the sled away. That's why I hope went plenty deep. Same way, Mark goes. Yes. The horses dug the defeat in because of the weight they were pulling. But, come on, Tyler. You ready now for plan? Yes. The idol will keep it. Wherever it is, it's too bulky to hide. When I get back, this well-marked trail will lead us to it. Here's the list, Here. Tom. Steady there. Uh, yes. You want Tom to go now? Yes, you must have it. Back across the river. Finding the clue on this side, the Pioneer's side, changes our plan but little. It will still carry out your part. Tonto, no, what to breaking it out. Ready by daybreak tomorrow. Southward along the riverbank raced the Lone Ranger, while Tonto and Scout recrossed the Rohos to the Zoomy side. Several days had passed since the masked man had left the Pioneers, and even as he sped toward their settlement they became increasingly restless. To Mabel Sturgis, wife of their captive leader, the few days had seemed an eternity.
4: Just look at poor Mabel. She ain't no nerves.
1: Ada Mabel, listen. Tom and Bob and me and all of us told the masked man we wouldn't go attacking them engines herself You
5: didn't, you didn't, Eric. You just said... You just
1: said as much as I say, Mrs. Sturgis. The masked man told us Dana would be safe as long as we kept ourselves. That's
3: why we're waiting for word from him. Sure. And when he comes back, we're going after that their idol of the Redskins in order to save Dana and make peace at the same time. oh
4: old idol be blasted. What good's that to Mabel Sturgis when she don't know what's happened to Dana? She's fed up on waiting. Waiting for a masked rider who may or may not be our friend. Why, it's been ten days now and he ain't showed up yet. Fellas,
1: part of what Ada says is right. There's no arguing the masked man's been gone a long time. Too long, maybe. You'll Bob? No, I ain't. But listen. It's about five hours till dark. Suppose more for Mabel Sturgis than anything else. We wait till sundown. Then if the masked man don't come, take our boats and go look for Dana. But,
4: Bob, you will?
5: You will do that?
1: If Tom and Eric and the rest are willing.
5: Oh, bless you, Bob. Bless
1: you. Listen, fellas. The boats we got could take us all across the river in about three trips. Then we'd have a chance. Yeah. Bullets and powder against bows and arrows. The masked man himself said the engines wouldn't have a chance. How about you, Tom? Well, I don't know.
4: Tom Crawford, if you ain't man enough,
1: wait. Look, coming right toward us. The masked man bringing the word we've been waiting for. It
4: only means I'll get Dana back. Oh, oh,
1: Masked man, what you find out? Where's your engine part? Are you ready for us to help you fetch back that blamed idol? Yes, I am, ready For you, I want four of your best men. Mister, you can have all of us if you'll bring back Dana's surgeons. I can use only four, but hurry and pick them. Tom,
4: you and Bob and me are as
3: good as any of us.
1: Sure, on, I'll go after Sam for the floor. Choose your best horses, get guns and ammunition for the long trip ahead of us, and danger when we get there, but success is ours if you all have the courage to follow my plan.
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, Here's the raft I told you about? Mister, this horse of mine couldn't spur another foot. You know, the rest of your horses here, but I'm going in there now to follow that trail leading west. You mean them two scratch marks down the ground? Yes, those marks will lead me to the stolen idol. Wait a minute, Man. How do you know that? Never mind how I know. But I expect to find an Indian village not far from the river. More Indians? Yes. The thieves who took the idol. Over there in those reeds, you'll find a raft. Huh? It was used to get Rumda away from the Zuni tribe. And it's going to be used to take that same precious idol back home. And you ain't even been trying to rescue Dana all this time? I've told you, men, that Dana is safe. Saving him before we return their guardian, Rumda, would only send them on the warpath again. They'll keep Dana alive until they're convinced the idol won't be returned. But suppose they've already? I've no more time for talk. It'll soon be dark, and I've got to follow the sled trails to its end. Come on, soldier. Right. the sled. <laughs> Never what? mind, fellas. The masked man's trailing down an engine idol, and we're taking his orders. <laughs> The deep-rutted, double-line trail led the masked rider to an Indian village some two miles from the riverbank. Once he was sure of the landmarks surrounding it, he swung Silver about, ready to carry out the rest of his plan. Darkness had fallen when he rejoined the four men near the river.
2: Hold, oh, oh, hold, your horses, and Hurry. I did. Now ride with me. Let's go. Come on, Silver. Back over the same way.
1: Through the night, under a cloudy sky, the pioneers rode, following the masked man, until, at length, not far ahead, they saw the fires of the Indian village. But here, the command from their leader, they reined in their mounts. So, oh, 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 oh. Follow me, masked man. You heading for that little patch of light that's come from that dooby out there? Yes, the temple. Randall's sure to be inside. But there'll be a priest too, a medicine man. And how are we going to pull this stunt without waking up all the Indians? The medicine man'll make a fuss. We'll handle him, but the our are a big problem. We can't drag it away. It will make too much noise. It'll have to be carried by hand the full distance back to the raft. Gosh, near two miles. We'll make it somehow, Mask Man. You lead us. We've got to make it back to the river. Our horses are no good to us without the sled these Indians used to bring it here. They can follow, follow like mask Fella after we get that blue and idle back to him. Yes. Now don't talk anymore. We're getting close to the Templand. The medicine man's chanting half aloud. He's inside facing lumber. Careful now. But keep on coming. Against the background of an Indian ritual fire The medicine man knelt, His back to the approaching whites Beyond the fire squatted the huge head of Ronda A crude wooden idol but mighty to the superstitious Indian Then at the very door of the temple The moon stood from behind a dense cloud one of the white men, Bob Foster, stumbled over a loose stone and brought the worshipping Indian priest to his feet. Bob sprang forward. Now, fix the varmint. That's one thing the devil won't bother us. Now, all of you, get a hold of the idol in his face. He's to go through the doorway. Now, hurry before the village wakes. The masked man and his companions retraced their steps even more quickly than they had come. Hours dragged by as five weary men trudged on. The moon paled, the stars flickered and went out. The sun began to rise gold in the east. At last they reached the Rojos. Stumbling feet plowed through mud and reeds. A final desperate effort and the Indian idol Rundar was placed upon the raft. (laughs) Mr. Masked Man, in my whole life I never worked so hard or got so scared all in the same night. That's so dog. doggone tyrant. Shake it. Listen. The engines. From the village. Then we're done for. Come on, climb aboard the raft. Up in the river, we can make a fight for a spell. No, we'd be worse out there than here. The sun's up. We'd be in plain sight. They're in these reeds. Best man. They're getting close. Too close. But they've only got bows and arrows like the Zuni's. Fire to stop them. Over the heads. <coughs> Yeah. That's done it. Look, they're pulling right up. Keep firing. We've got to make sure. Hey, who's that
2: zooming? Look. What? Right behind you, out on the river. Here comes them walking us again. Yeah. Under the raging mass man. Now there's two tribes after after us. No, there. no, oh, do you see. Dane is with them in that lead canoe. What? Yeah. He's going to land in a minute now. There's Huddle coming across from the other side of the scout. Oh, quiet. Oh, men. The attacking Indians are scattering, and our friends are here. Yeah, my it yeah. the mass man's right. Fellas, just look at them red devils ride. The old way. Turn and
4: tail
2: like skid rabbits. And over here landing on the bank right now It's Dana. Hi, Dana.
4: Uh, Dana, Dana. Dana Spurgis, uh, so Come
2: Dana. here. Uh,
1: Come on, Dana. Come on, Dana. Right, Over here, Tonto. Oh, Tonto. oh, Tonto. Whoa, Tonto. Me, bring help. Whoa, Tonto. I knew you would make it, Kimo Sabe. We had those other Indian stunts, but the sight of Yampo and his war canoes turned them to flight. Say. Them canoes full of Indian settle matters, all right. But who in blazes is Yampo? Uh, me, Yampo. Huh? Uh, That's uh, that right. Yampo, big chief of Zuni Indian tribe. Nila, Rokas, Toho. Titoho, up. What's that? What kind of lingo's that? Yampo say, pale face, save great god of red man. Now, red man, brother to pale face for all time." Say peace lasts all time. Well, that's fine as far as these here Zunis are concerned, but what about the other tribe of Redskins?
2: mana, mana, Zunis, Sula, Iranga.
4: Don't you fellas worry none about no other injuries now. Why, shucks, old Yampo here is a blood brother of the whole bunch of us from now on. We, <laughs> Yampo. Uh, Gee, and now I ain't never met up with a masked man yet, but he ain't in this minute, so I can thank him. You're too late, Dana. There he goes now. Well, of all the strange acting fellas, that there masked man...
2: There's another valley just ahead! Oh still!
1: Of the Low Ranger
0: Incorporated. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting PhoenixMedia.us forward slash Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior!